Orchard Radio begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Virtual Reality Church. Welcome to our virtual church. Is there some type of way for a virtual congregation? You're not a congregation if you don't congregate. When you combine this access with the loss of the local, I become my own confession and I go around the World Wide Web listening for echoes that say back to me what I've already decided to believe. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Some things never change. Hey, Todd, we've we've started the show. <laughs> we've started. You know, everybody else comes back from a little vacation, and what do they talk about? How was your Christmas? Did you do anything special on your vacation? No, not with Jimmy the Jam. <laughs> Todd, it's time to start the show. All right, fine. This is Wretched Radio. Thank you very much for letting us take a little bit of time off here in Wretched Land. It is greatly appreciated, and I have to share something super encouraging with you. I know we don't get a lot of that these days, but it is my intention to try to focus on more of that this year, as well as try to minimize the number of LGB, etc. stories. I'm kind of like up to here, so we'll only bring them to you if we think that there is something redemptive, something that we can learn from them. And occasionally that does happen, but I'm just a little up to here with all of that Romans 1 business. So here's a little bit of good news. You hit our goal. Don't know if you realize this, but we had a one of those matching campaigns during the year end. And y'all are you are you're making Phil Johnson a prophet. That's what you're doing. Phil Johnson told me years ago, God's people are very generous. And once again, you have proven that. Be encouraged. Christians are the giving people. Poll after poll, stat after stat tells us the pagans talk about doing kind things for people. They just don't open up their checkbooks nearly as often as Christians do. So thank you for vacation. Thank you for helping us to enter 2023 strong. Jimmy, it's 2023. Do you remember partying like it was going to be 1999? Uh, I do. That was just yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. And I don't know about you, but is anybody else on their checks still writing 2007? Anybody else? 2000. Is anybody else still writing checks? Not really. (laughs) We don't write checks anymore. I got to tell you something. This will happen to you if technology doesn't advance in this regard and everything seems to be. Wow. Have you been tracking the AI business? It is frightening uh, the brave new world that we're entering into where computers try to interact and talk like human beings using our language, our cadence, and gathering information from all over the internet to present it like, well, here's the answer to your question. It's a brave new world. Furthermore, don't forget, they can pretty much make you say anything they want you to say. Hey, that's not going to be problematic, is it? But if this technology doesn't advance, one day, my friend, you are going to be asked when you're booking a hotel, a rent-a-car, year of birth, and you're going to start to scroll back and go, whoa, when's my year going to finally appear? Mark my words, it'll happen to you too. And by the way, just so you know, you are going to have to spend more time filling out paperwork in order to purchase something. Because now that we have 72 genders, you know, you got to scroll through all of those to identify what... You actually are. Isn't it amazing we spend 6,000 years recognizing there are pinks and blues, but wah and la. No, there's 72. We've been idiots. We are just knuckleheads. This is a demonstration yet again that we have lost any sort of understanding or respect for our historical past and the contributions that, well, I'll even include those 
white Christian European males have made to Western civilization, we continue to think we're the most brilliant people who have ever lived. I got to tell you something. You read some old books and you recognize maybe we isn't as smart as we used to be. Speaking of which, I happen to have two in my never before nicotine stained fingers Christmas gifts that were given to me. I have no idea why, but my daughter was in a bookstore and she saw these two books and went, these are for pop. This one is titled Descriptive English Grammar. Ah, It's a grammar book. And inside of this book, it reveals that 100 years ago, which is when this particular book was published, we didn't expect a little from people. We expected a lot. We didn't think that everybody had to have everything dumbed down for them. People 100 years ago, they were studying, well, this is from the table of contents, grammatical forms, the morphology of verbs, prepositions, conjunctions, interjections, expletives, sentence analysis, simple sentence, prepositional phrases, adverbial objectives, participles, gerunds, adjective clauses. This was the expectation. This was a book that was used to teach kids how to use the grammarly correct like. We used to think people could learn stuff. I got to tell you, there's... Something got up my craw this Christmas, not just the complete obliteration of what Christmas is actually about. (laughs) If you've wondered, have we lost the Christmas war? (laughs) Go to a department store, turn on your TV, and you will listen to the music that they're playing in public, and you'll recognize the world has no idea what Christmas is about. But not only did that get up my craw... There were other things. Working on a new book, and I am being informed by Christian publishers, "Mm, you aim a little high. Could you bring this down to an eighth grade level? Could you try to stop using so many polysyllabic words? And I stole a line from Phil Johnson and said, polysyllabic is polysyllabic. (laughs) They want everything to be at the lowest level possible. Talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. We give people the worst benefit of the doubt, saying that that you're just not capable. So dumb it down, dumb it down, and what do you know? They're not going to be capable. But that isn't the only book that I received for Christmas. Frio, we didn't ask you to share what presents you got. Nevertheless, this one is called Junior Hymns and Songs. This was written, compiled, I should say, in the early 1900s for use in the church school, Sunday, weekday, and vacation sessions. You know, when people used to go to church that much. 1927. I thought this was fascinating. Back then, a hundred years ago, give or take, they were already dealing with dopey worship music. Here's what the the introduction basically says, and this is, remember, this is written to juniors. We tested these songs through six litmus questions. Are the words good, literary value? Do they have spiritual value? Can they mean the words? Is the music good? Does Do the words suit the music? Isn't that fascinating? And will junior boys and girls like this song? But they only tackled number six after going through number five, one through five. Here's what they said. These tests have been rather severe on some of the jingly songs which some boys and girls like. For we only put the last test to the song after it had met the other five, which meant a lot of Hillsong wouldn't have made it. (laughs) And they've got hymns in here that use the word resurrection, angels from the realms of glory. What's a realm of glory? Oh, we better toss that one out. The king of love my shepherd is, which by the way, if you are wondering, have we made a New Year's resolution here at Wretched? Well, here it is, not only to try to talk about the trans business far less, but to talk about the love of God more. Not just the holiness, the righteousness, 
the justice of God? We'll keep talking about those things, but we want to beef up our reminder that God calls us into a relationship, not so much to experience his holiness as it is to experience his love. Did you catch that? Jesus died on a cross to usher us, Romans 5, 1 and 2, to usher us into the presence of God, to literally take us so that we can be in the presence of God, introducing us to the Father so that we can know his love, experience his love, and I'm going to even use the F word, feel his love. And that is why Jesus died. Yes, it is to bring him glory. Yes, it is for forgiveness of sins, of course. But there's an end to it. That's not where it stops. That was done not so that our slate could be just wiped clean or that we could receive the righteousness of Christ, all celebratory themes of the gospel, but ultimately so that we can know the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Wondering, maybe that wouldn't be a good New Year's resolution for all of us to ponder if and of course we're not too dumb to understand that stuff. This is Wretched Radio. For your consideration, not one but two ways that you could strengthen the local global church, the Masters Academy International, training men in Los Angeles who then return to their home countries and open up mini seminaries to train pastors in their native land. That strengthens the local church. But there's another way you can do just that. We are partnering with the Masters Academy International to send Bibles to the Philippines. Not just any Bible, MacArthur Study Bibles to believers in TMAI-trained churches. These efforts strengthen the local church. Would you please consider how many Bibles you might send, how many seminaries you might support overseas. To learn more, visit wretched.org slash pastor, or if you like the Bible sending idea, wretched.org slash Bible. You know, there are a ton of things people partner in. Some have business partners, some have workout partners. We all need accountability partners. Then you have partners in crime, not something I recommend, or marriage partners, something I do recommend. And then, of course, we can't forget about the Wretched Gospel Partner. Our gospel partners, that would be many of you, provide us with the ability to do what we're able to do. You faithfully helped us reach millions of people all over the world with resources like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, Breaking Bread, Wretched Worldview, The Drive-By Series. I could keep going, but we'd be here far too long. Plus, I think you already get the point. Without you, there is no Wretched. So we humbly thank you for your support. If you're not already an ongoing Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Just hit up wretched.org slash donate to find answers to many other questions you may have. That's wretched.org slash donate. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Attributes of God. Can a loving God be wrathful? If God loves righteousness, loves people, and wants what is best for his creation, he must hate what runs contrary to his will. God must always respond to sin with wrath, and his wrath must be satisfied. 
it is either satisfied on the cross or each person will bear God's wrath eternally in hell. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, Jimmy. Yes? What's the most wonderful time of the year? Well, Christmas, of course. Silly rabbit, it's New Year's. This is Wretched Radio. What makes the new year the most wonderful time of the year, at least for me? One word, lists. That's right. In my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers, I hold... An abundance of lists that apparently people feel compelled to write when the year comes to a close. Let's start with the list from the Gospel Coalition. No, I actually can't share that list because too many of their top 10 movies are rated R and filled with vulgarity, blasphemy, sex, and nudity, and everything else. Come on, y'all, at the Gospel Coalition. Come on. Can we really justify watching filthy films because there's something that we perceive to be redemptive? Do we really need a really raunchy movie to help us understand something that the Bible doesn't? The Bible is not by any means a racy book. It is not. I've heard people say that. Well, it's filled with rape and all kinds of adultery. It, it is, but it always deals with those subjects rather genteelly. It's never crude. It's never coarse. It's never celebrated. It is discussed as a part of the human condition, which is one more reason why you can believe the Bible is a supernaturally inspired book. Because if we mere mortals were going to concoct a religious system, it wouldn't contain details that make us look really bad. But the Bible does. It doesn't blush at these subjects, but it does maintain propriety. These movies that somehow made it onto the TGC list um, don't. And the, uh, the justification for them is, well, they've got something redeeming about them, something that we can learn. For instance, quote, these movies captivate audiences because they're artistically excellent. Okay. And all are in some way edifying. Really? Depicting goodness, truth, or beauty in ways that Christian viewers can celebrate. Um, I can see those things, but that isn't what these movies contain. Instead, these are R-rated movies. I got it. We're talking about full frontal nudity of both genders made it on the list of the top picks for movies that Christians should be watching in 2022? I got to tell you, we it's, it is absolute. Like everybody else, it's like, okay, well, we usually just try to keep it at PG-13, but this one, it looks interesting. The setting, it doesn't appear like it's going to be raunch. It's, T, it's TG. I think that's what it is, isn't it? TG? Uh, the rating, what is a PG? No, PG. P- PG, yes. Yeah, PG-14. And we're shocked. We're even shocked with PG-13. It's like, come on. You're pumping this bilge into the ears and eyes of children who are going through puberty? And it made the top 10 list of the Gospel Coalition's movie picks of the year. Mm, mm. Here are 10 major trends for local churches in 2023. And this is, again, this is coming out of Lifeway. They like to do a lot of surveying what's going on in the church. What are the trends? Always need to be not a wee bit careful, but very careful when you consider trends. Why? Because if you sniff the trends, ah, this is the way people, ah, we need to, then you're going to become that. And you're going to do that for the wrong motivation, and you're going to get off track. Who regulates what church is? The answer is not the culture. The answer is not society. The answer is not a poll that indicates people would come to church if only this were being offered up. That is not how we do church. We do church the way God wants it done, and we leave the consequences to him. I do believe it was the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, who said that the doctrine of sovereignty for the individual who is going through a difficult time 
is the pillow on which the Christian rests, the doctrine of sovereignty that God does not expect us to focus on results. He expects us to focus on faithfulness, fidelity to the task. Friel, those are the same words. He wants us to do church his way, and if he blesses it, cool. If he doesn't, cool. Because we trust the sovereignty of God. We don't follow trends. Nevertheless, here are the top 10 major trends for local churches, supposedly, in 2023. One, local congregations will emphasize evangelism more than any point in the past three decades. Oh, that that prediction comes true. Tom Rayner is thinking it's because we see that people aren't just checking out churches. We actually have to, you know, go to the highways and byways and compel people to come into the kingdom and then become a part of a member, becoming a serving member of a local church. We already know that's what we're supposed to be doing. We know that we are supposed to be evangelizing. Church is for sheep not for goats. Now, having said that, do I realize that we should be aware that there are some goats in our presence? Sure, we should, and we can keep that in mind, but that isn't why we do church, but that's been the trend for the last 50, 60 years. And by the way, I got to tell you, I watched a fair amount of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day sermons. It is staggering how few pastors clearly present the gospel that lay out law, the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the wrath of God, judgment, damnation, oh, and Jesus fulfilling all righteousness, dying on a cross on our behalf, rising from the grave, repent and put your trust in him. Did you hear that? No, you didn't. Instead, I I saw this in in a few different places that they're doing the ABC business. Do you remember this trend? It's been around for a bit. It just seems to be getting recycled. How does one become a Christian? A, B, C. And you're going to hear this and you're going to go, yeah, all of that's right, but it's not as precise as the instruction should be. Do you ever try to put something together from Lowe's or you order it at Etsy or wherever you get your stuff and the instructions like, these things are a mess and you get all crabby about it? Well, shouldn't our instructions for how to become a Christian be really crystal clear, not confusing? Repent, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But instead, we say ABC, so you need to admit you're a sinner. There's been no talk about the law of God, the holiness, righteousness of God. Just admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you. Why is that necessary? We haven't heard and then confess that Jesus is Lord. And you would hear that and you'd go, well, yeah, that's that's all right. And I would say, yeah, it is all right, but it is not precise. How do we present the gospel? It needs to be more than a drive-by. It needs to be something that is really, really unmistakably clear. No confusion in this, no lingo, no Christianese. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Because I heard these pastors, so you need to admit you're a sinner because, you know, hey, um, well, like, because, hey, I don't want to be like Debbie Downer or anything, but we all do sin, like, right? That's, That's what it means to admit you're a sinner. Believe on Jesus. Why? Who is Jesus? Why do we need a God man? Is that who he is? What about his fulfillment of all righteousness so that we can have right standing with God and then confess that he is Lord? Yeah, but where's turning from sin? Where's putting your trust in Jesus Christ? Shocking how poorly people present the gospel. But I do have to tell you that the worst gospel presentation that I heard on Christmas was actually Christmas Eve, staying up when everybody else had gone to bed. I think there's a poem about that. And St. Nicholas didn't show up, but instead I actually watched the Episcopalian Christmas Eve service. Yeah, I took the bullet so you don't have to. It was, in one sense, really quite excellent. Why? Because they used liturgy from the past. Anglican liturgy. You know, back when Anglicans used to be Orthodox, 
And so you heard about Jesus Christ, the light of the world, being born of a virgin, living a perfect life, dying. It was like spot on theology, man. Why? Because they were reading the stuff that had been written for them. They followed the pericopes of the church. They followed the church calendar. They are sent their liturgies. They read them. They read lots of Bible, the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2. The woman priest read it really, really well. But then the guy gets up in these, well, ridiculous vestments, this robe thing that was Joseph would have said, nah, now that's a little over the top is what that is right there. I think you need to dial that back. And after all of this amazingly correct liturgy, what was his gospel presentation? It was woke. Naturally, it's the Episcopalian Church. Whilst I hope there's more evangelism in 2023, let's hope that it's accurate and sound evangelism. This is Wretched Radio. Books of the Bible The book of Revelation describes visions given to the Apostle John by Jesus Christ concerning the consummation of history. Its symbolic style makes Revelation a mystery to many. But you can understand much by asking what are the setting and action and who are the characters. When you wonder how it's all going to end, God has given Revelation just for you. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. My apologies to the Episcopalian priest and his robe of way too many colors. This is Wretched Radio. I watched a Christmas Eve sermon from the Episcopalian Cathedral in Atlanta. Glorious architecture, theologically designed structures, all thought through by people who used to be Orthodox. But today, the Episcopalian Church, woo! Woke is just one of their issues, and that is what the sermon was about on Christmas Eve. <laughs> it was dreadful. I mean, I heard a lot about the guy's travels, heard about where he studied, the food he and his wife liked to cook. Didn't hear anything about Jesus being born of a virgin to live under the law to redeem those of us under the curse of the law. Nope, that was too much to ask from an Episcopalian sermon on Christmas Eve. And just when you think sermons can't get any worse, i got to share with you what is nothing but incoherence. And this is megachurch preaching. Not all megachurches preach like this, but this was printed in the Christian Post. <laughs> megachurch pastor. So they saw fit to print this story. Megachurch pastor urges Christians to stop climbing and come down from their Zacchaeus tree. Let me just share some of the quotes for you, and I'm going to read them. I grant you rather flat, but when you do, when you don't bring in any of the shenanigans and show business that these preachers import into their sermons, you hear it and go, what are you talking about? What do you? This doesn't even make any sense. This is what the fellow had to say. A megachurch pastor warned people often try to compensate for their shortcomings. Oh, because Zacchaeus was short <laughs> by climbing up worldly ladders when Jesus wants them to come down just like Zacchaeus in the book of Luke. So that's what the story is about. Zacchaeus he was climbing the corporate ladder, and Jesus said, you need to get off of that ladder and come down here. That's weird. I thought the context said, you need to come down here because I need to meet with you because you need to understand the gospel. <sighs> From the sermon, he told the congregation, in part 16 of the church's cuffing season, C-U-F-F-I-N-G, Jimmy, cuffing what season. Is, what is that? Sermon series. Well, you got to listen to the 16 episodes, and oh. you'll, you'll get it. Don't worry. That climbing can be defined as using every effort and activity to achieve a higher position or status. <laughs> okay. Zacchaeus had actually achieved status. He was wealthy. Now, doesn't mean he was a good businessman. But the issue in front of Zacchaeus when Jesus came marching down the street wasn't that he was seeking fame and fortune. It was salvation. Quote, all of us in some area fall short. 
This is from the sermon. All of us in some area are trying to compensate for that thing that we don't have. All of us in some area have some things in our life that didn't go how we thought they were going to go. And so we start performing, we start climbing ladders to show Jesus, hey, look over here. Huh? Maybe you aren't performing for Jesus. Maybe there's some area where, if you're honest, you'd find yourself in a tree. What? Many of you think when Jesus stops under your tree, that's because you timed it and picked it perfectly. I haven't missed a church service in over 42 years, so that's why Jesus always shows up. I haven't missed a version scripture, and my streak is 962, so Jesus always stops under my tree. I lifted my hands in worship so much better than that person next to me. They were balled up on the floor, probably because they have a lot of sin in their life, but Jesus always stops under my tree. What you don't realize is a short man climbing up on a tree full of leaves would be harder to see. It was convenient for him to see Jesus, but all your climbing muddies up where you actually are. Oh, is that what the story of Zacchaeus was about? All these stupid theologians have been getting it wrong for so long. That is being preached in a lot of churches. Here's the good news. As the persecution, which appears to be intensifying in this country and around the globe, those I think the, I, I predict those types of churches will either go full-blown rainbow flag, but even then, I, I you you just associate with Christianity until Christianity is totally silenced in every manifestation. Uh, liberals are not going to be satisfied. And these churches, they're just not going to be what people will die for, lose their job for. You could go to even some of these less kooky mega churches and just listen to the sermon that's being preached and ask yourself the question, if somebody kicked down the door with an Uzi right now and said, if you're, if you're a Christian, we're going to kill you. This is your chance to get out. The place would empty. Now, I'm not getting into any of the scenarios about our willingness to die. My point is that people are not being fed. And that leads us back to our 10 major trends for local churches in America for 2023. That was quite a journey there, wasn't it? <laughs> what? What's your tree, Zacchaeus? My tree? Uh-huh. Why are you climbing your tree? Uh, Why do you think Jesus always stops under your tree? Because... Uh, I don't know. Because it is incoherent <laughs> nonsense. Number one, local congregations, hopefully, according to Tom Rainer, are going to be emphasizing evangelism. Number two, the increase in the growth of diversity in congregations will be its greatest ever in 2023. Well, we'll see how that plays out. It is my experience, churches that preach the Bible thoroughly, unapologetically, and well and understand the jurisdiction of the church, that it belongs to Christ, and there are boundaries that are biblically drawn to keep the government out of that realm. Those churches are growing, and they are diverse. They are very colorful. This effort to make your churches look colorful, I honestly, I don't mean to be a ridiculous parodier. That's right, a parodier. But what are we supposed to go running out into the street? Hey, uh, excuse me, uh, the Hispanic fellow. Yeah, look, our church, we've been looking at the stats. We don't have enough of your skin color. Would you come to church on What in the world? How's about we recognize people have different shades of skin, but we evangelize them. We witness to them. And if God adds them to his kingdom, we bring them to church with us. And we let the diversity take care of itself. Number three, in the year 2023, it'll be a record year for church adoptions. In other words, a lot of churches that are struggling and a lot of churches are struggling. These are typically liberal churches. These are churches that are very seeker-sensitive. They're losing members like in nobody's business. They're being adopted by stronger churches. Number four, more churches will have specific global partners. I don't know where to get that. The time, this is five, the time between pastors for churches will be longer than ever. 
Many churches have interim periods for 12 months is considered a long time. He says, get used to two to three years waiting for a pastor to come to your church. Hoofda, that ain't good. So many pastors have just said adios. The time between pastors will be longer than ever. The number of interim pastors will be greater than ever. More churches will request consultations than at any point in American church history. Uh Uh-oh, that's a bad trend. Congregations got to figure out why we're losing people. No, that is not the right study. Study what the Bible says is the way you're supposed to do church and leave the results to God. But if we... Now, does that mean we can't learn anything? I think we can. It's sort of like studying secular psychology when they go out and survey people. Okay, you've done that work. Thank you for serving as our psychological Pew Research firm. We'll take that data, but we'll leave all of the gobbledygook there. Same thing is true with these church growth books or how to not lose people books. They become very man-centered, very unregulatory, meaning God doesn't want us to do it that way. Trend number eight, church autopsies will be the fastest growing area of research in American churches. Because so many churches, why did they call? Why did they lose people? What did they do wrong? If they were preaching the gospel, administering the sacraments, they were doing church discipline. They didn't do nothing wrong. It closed. The end. Let's not become pragmatists and more seeker-sensitive than we already are. Number nine, more pastors and staff will become bivocational because churches can't afford a full-time staff. And finally, number 10, more pastors and staff will get their theological and ministry training in the church. There ain't nothing wrong with a seminary. Love the master's seminary, for instance. I don't think there's anything wrong with a man being trained in the context of his local church. I'll go a step further to even take over the pulpit in his local church. So you don't have to go shopping for a pastor. You won't have a long interim between the search committee, identifying a guy, flying him in, does the preaching, everybody gets together and talks about what they do and don't like, and then some sort of vote takes place. How's about training up a guy right inside of your body? It seems to me it sure would eliminate a lot of problems if it's done well. This is Wretched Radio. Cool, very cool. The Tomorrow Clubs now have 106 clubs in Romania. This year marks the celebration of the 25th anniversary of our ministry. But also, it is a very important milestone for Tomorrow Clubs Romania. Now, Tomorrow Clubs Romania has 106 clubs. That means 106 villages are hearing the gospel proclaimed to the kids who get saved. They bring the gospel home. Parents get saved and local churches get strengthened. Would you please consider supporting the Tomorrow Clubs? Not only do they have hundreds of clubs in Romania, Ukraine, Russia, Albania, all over Eastern Europe, and now in Africa. Would you please consider what might you do to bring the gospel to both Africa and to Eastern Europe? Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thank you for joining us on Wretched Radio today. Did you know we are so close to the launch of Season 3 of Road Trip to Truth? That's right, Season 3 will be released November 1st. Be ready. It's an all-new season with host John Fabarius tackling gender issues, justice, bumper sticker philosophy, how technology affects the brain, and a lot of other topics. With experts Nate Pickowitz, Alan Parr, Dr. Paul Twist, Dr. Jason Lyle, and others. And it would not be possible without the help and support of our gospel partners. If you're already a gospel partner, of course, we want to thank you and joining our efforts to reach the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not already a gospel partner, could we ask you to pray about it? And also visit wretched.org slash donate to get answers to any question you might have about being a gospel partner. Wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Just because Roe v. Wade is overturned, that does not mean the battle for life is over. Would you please consider supporting 
Preborn Ministries, providing ultrasounds that genuinely save lives. That ultrasound changed everything for me. It really did. That made it all worthwhile to know that I was going to have a little blessing. And when she got here, it was just, oh my gosh. (laughs) Another woman who chooses life because she saw an ultrasound. Her life, and obviously her baby's life, changed. When I heard her heartbeat, I decided to keep her. And now my daughter's about to be three. I don't know where my life would be without her. The war for life continues to rage. Would you please engage in the battle and support preborn centers at preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Theophilus of Antioch lived a pagan lifestyle until he was converted by reading the scriptures. His most notable work, Apology, was written to an unbelieving friend to show that the scriptures were self-authenticating and argued that the antiquity, clarity, and consistency of the scriptures prove their divine origin. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. So, you don't want me to share any more lists, do you? Well, take this! This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, do you recall the list of criteria that people of old a century ago used to determine which hymns would be best for our boys and girls? Do you remember one of the criteria was the music needs to match the lyrics? Right, correct. This is what they were talking about. You don't think that goes together? No, I don't. Oh, that's just your personal preference. No, art can be objective to varying degrees. Now, there can be preferences, but objectively, some art is just plain better than others. When you can't tell the difference in a painting that was done by a human or a monkey because they both threw paint against a canvas, I'm sorry. That ain't good art if you can even call it art at all. What do you see in that random gloppy mess? Hmm. I see that the future is looking bright if I'll just remember to use my personal pronoun Z and Zer or whatever. That's not art. There are some things that are just better than others. And the same thing is true with music because music without lyrics still speaks. You ready for a list yet? Yes. You're sure? Uh, I got more of this. <laughs> well, count your blessings that Jimmy, representing you, said, please get back to list because otherwise I would have played this clip of Jesse Duplantis being entirely blasphemous. The book of Isaiah chapter but 9. I'm not going to. I want to read verse 6. For unto us, Isaiah 9 verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So far, so good. Where does Jesse take this verse that we've historically understood to be a prophecy about our Messiah? Well, of course, silly rabbits. He's a prosperity preacher. He's a little God's doctrine dude. And he needs to make sure that 21st century ears get tickled by reminding them, it's all about you. You're the reason for the season. Yet the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Be ye therefore imitators of God as dear children. So when I look at Isaiah 9, 6, Uh where is the government now? It's on us. (laughs) Not what the verse means. The government of the world is on mankind. And because we're made in God's image and in God's likeness, you can call us wonderful. Yes. Counselor. Uh-huh. Mighty God no, Christ you didn't. in us. The everlasting Father. Woo! Huh. The Prince of Peace. Who knew? 
Isaiah 9 was actually about us all along, and it just keeps getting worse. This man doesn't know how to handle a text. That's what it means to be the gift that Jesus gave to you. So when you are a gift of God, it gives you the ability to act like God. Huh? People get irritated when we act like God. But if we don't, then we're acting like somebody else. You see what I'm saying? No, no, I don't. Claiming that we are Jesus' gift to the Father. Well, not according to the Gospel of John. We are a gift from the Father to the Son. You ready for a list yet? And all of God's people said, please, (laughs) please. The top 10 most read stories of 2022, according to the Christian Post. The only one that jumped out at me, because this is a trend that I think is worthy of our consideration, that we need to do our best to understand without compromising how we respond. It's the story of Lecrae, who has detransit or he's transitioned, no, detransitioned, <laughs> deconstructed. <laughs> deconstructed, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, that shouldn't be offensive because that's not offensive anymore. <laughs> he deconstructed his faith. And talking about lamenting about the white American church, that was one of the top 10 stories. He is just one of myriads who are deconstructing. And this little survey that was done that I'm about to share, I wouldn't take it to the bank, but I think that it's not entirely wrong. And therefore, we should try to glean what we can from it. This from Baptist News, the fellow who wrote it apparently identifies as a gay Christian. And that's not the point of this. He said, I asked people why they're leaving Christianity. And here's what I heard. Because Christians have decreased from 90% in 1972 to 64% in 2020. Woof. So he asked people on the internet machine, why? What's, what's, what's the reason for it? This isn't scientific, but this is what he learned. When it comes to the moment people first began doubting their faith, LGBTQ acceptance is the most common reason. Okay, that's fascinating. You might want to start talking about these issues theologically, explaining to your kids and congregation what God's Word teaches about this. I noticed Al Begg is on Romans 1 right now doing that very thing, because a lot of youth just aren't aware why they're curmudgeonly parents aren't accepting and loving. Well, if they understood the authority of God's Word and that we must speak truth in love, but we must speak truth to people, uh, they would understand. But apparently they don't. Followed by the behavior of Christians. Okay, that's fascinating. In other words, these are issues that we need to do better when it comes to apologetics. When you're evangelizing somebody, hey, What is your impression of Christians? How do you think they behave? Are they consistent with their testimony? You're probably going to hear, I don't think so. And you should address that and be prepared to say, you know, I understand how you might get that impression, but might I suggest you do not judge Christianity based on the actions of some of his presumed followers. Instead, you've got to look at Christ. You've got to consider him. You have got to deal with his claims of divinity. Yeah, there's going to be people who don't do well representing him, but don't let that take your eye off of the more important study, and that is on Jesus himself. And then things not making sense on an intellectual level. In other words, this would be an example, I can't reconcile how there can be an all-powerful God and evil. Well, it should be an all-loving God and evil, but that syllogism is used all the time. Why aren't kids hearing this? I know why, because they're not watching Road Trip to Truth Season 1, 2, or 3, available at wretched.org. That's one possibility. Or they're not being taught this in youth group. They're not being taught this at home, and they're not hearing this from the pulpit. I'm up to here with these stories, the ongoing bombardment of unreality itself a natural law, on what is obvious and clear, uh, except until this current generation who knows everything came along. But you better be talking about this stuff, pastor, mom and dad, youth group leader. 
For many respondents, politics is what finally motivated them, motivated them to leave Christianity. Specifically, many referenced, you guessed it, Donald Trump and the support he received from the evangelical community. All right, if you haven't explained that, you better, because if you've been talking about a particular party and saying this is the party that we should be supporting, which you should, but you better explain why, because apparently people don't understand. They don't get it. It was about a 1,000 people that responded to this guy's questionnaire. Donald Trump, for deconversion, he was mentioned 81 times. That's pretty substantial. The final question asked, and I think this can be instructive, what do you miss about Christianity now that you have deconstructed your faith? For many, it won't be a surprise to say the number one thing they missed is community. But notice what they don't miss. 60% said, I miss the community because they liked hanging out with people. They felt a part of something. We're made for fellowship. We're made for relationships. We mirror our Trinitarian God in that regard. And they miss that. But notice what they don't miss. Instruction and development, 2.4%. That's all. Wow. That, in my estimation, is telling. They either weren't getting that or they weren't getting it good or they weren't getting it delivered in a way that respected them, honored them, didn't think that they were total dunces where every word needed to be dumbed down. Another thing that they don't miss is the biblical practices and tradition. Why? Because we don't have much of that. Every service is new. There's no consistency. There's no things that you can count on that will be there week after week after week. What can we learn from this? Seems to me we better be doing better, trying harder at teaching our youth on a level that their university teachers are going to teach them. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.